0: Good evening everyone. I'm Allison Camerata
1: and I'm Laura Coates and this is CNN tonight and can I just say that was such a powerful documentary. It really was Allison and Thanks. and the way that there was just so much affirmation of what they had done. They did not retreat to a corner. They really which they would have been entitled to. Sure. They were proactive
0: and helpful still. Those parents are extraordinary, and I've thought about them every single day since those conversations, which was now probably two months ago, because of exactly what you're talking about. They were grief-stricken. They are grief-stricken. Their grief hasn't really gone away. Maybe some days it's not as raw as it was that first year, but they still have taken action. So they've been able to, in their lives, and I mean, obviously this is a lesson for all of us, Mm -hmm. even with grief— They've been able to move forward and hold those two things together, and they have made remarkable changes, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, you know where we are really with gun violence and school shootings in this in this country, and the stats are startling still. But yet the progress, there is forward
1: motion, right. and that's something that I think when you think about and reflect on ten years, there is a tendency to almost want to avoid and not talk about it because you want to put your head in the sand and think this doesn't happen here. But they refuse. And all of our kids are safer. And yet there's
0: still work to be done. Yes. So we're going to talk about all of that. And later in the program, we're going to speak to Scarlett Lewis, who you just met Mm -hmm. in the documentary. Her six-year-old son, Jesse, was killed at Sandy Hook. And she has managed to turn her pain into purpose. She's going to share her wisdom and advice for how to get through this with Gloria and Javier Casares, whose nine-year-old daughter, Jackie, was killed Mm -hmm. in Uvalde.
1: And we have breaking news. The very latest on the deadly tornadoes ripping through southern states tonight. At least three people have been killed in Louisiana. Two million people are in the path of twisters and hail and winds up to 65 miles an hour. These powerful storms expected to continue throughout the overnight hours. So we have lots to talk about along with CNN senior legal analyst Ellie Honig, also Lauren Leader, co-founder and CEO of All In Together, and CNN political commentator S.E. Cup, You know, it's such a time that we're in right now, and I'd love to hear from all of you in the sense of, you know, we are in a space, S.E., where there is so much progress and yet still a lot of work to be done, and it's a conflicting feeling. How do you feel?
2: Well, you know, look, I've been in this space for a long time. I'm a gun owner, and I was a gun rights activist at a time, and an NRA member um, before I quit. And a lot's changed since Sandy Hook, and Sandy Hook is one of the reasons I left. Um, the progress has been from law-abiding gun owners, responsible gun owners who have decided in many cases to part with the NRA and say they are too extreme, and we want to come out and be part of a solution instead of just defending, you know, the Second Amendment, as we did Um, I saw progress earlier this year when good Democrats, good Republicans got together and brought some legislation to the table and didn't do what they usually do. Democrats usually gum up stuff so it doesn't pass. Republicans usually say no to everything. That's progress. But let me tell you, um, things are about to get real scary. Uh, The day before Roe was overturned, another case came down from the Supreme Court. It's New York State Pistol and Rifle versus Bruin. And basically, in it, Clarence Thomas ruled that if you can't find a law from 1791, when the Second Amendment was ratified, you can't introduce new gun regulations. So in West Virginia, for example, a court there decided that it was unconstitutional to have serial numbers on guns. Mm. If you've watched a single episode of Forensic Files, you know that's mm. how most cops right. solve gun crimes. In Texas, a judge decided that... um it was unconstitutional to prohibit someone uh, who was a domestic abuser from mm. owning a gun because in 1791 in Texas, spousal abuse was not a crime. Mm. This is wild. We don't talk about that enough. That has me very, very mm. concerned. And, and, it's, yeah. and
3: it's it's more extreme than that as well. I mean... This Supreme Court is only going to go one direction on the Second Amendment. That is clear. And if you look back to the history of the case, SE was talking about, the, the patron saint of what they call originalism, of, of this idea of, well, what were they thinking back then was Justice Antonin Scalia. However, he conveniently, this is a guy whose whole judicial philosophy is every word matters, every mm-hmm. punctuation mark matters. Yet when you look at the Second Amendment, it says, in order to be part of an, a militia, I'm paraphrasing here. Mm-hmm. And he is f- uh, faced with that exact question in that case. And you know what he says about that? Part of a militia, that part doesn't matter. Oh. Ignore. Ignore. Mr. Mister Textualist, Mr. Originalist says th- those words don't matter. He's very selective. He's very, very careful. Ridiculous. Somehow he always comes out one way, and the new court is just running with that. I will say this, though, for our courts, and, and Allison, your your documentary features this. They have been a vehicle for some measure of justice. There can never be—nothing can undo what happened to these people. But you know, to be put through the extra torture that Alex Jones put mm, them yeah. through, and our courts have— have rightly found him liable. He'll, he'll never pay at all, but have given the, and you could see this in your documentary, some measure of justice mm. that was very valuable.
0: Absolutely. I mean, a billion dollars, basically, That's they've right, gotten Mar- from him. And he says, well, they'll never get a cent. And, you know, their lawyer says, we'll follow you to the, gates to the end of them. the earth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
4: the, the Supreme Court on gun rights is out of touch with the vast majority of Americans mm. on that issue, as they are with Roe and other, you know, to Ellie's very important point about the sort of very dogmatic approach to the law on these issues. And the fact is, the vast majority of Americans, I mean, across the board, gun owners, et cetera, want some kinds of sensible gun laws. And particularly when you look at issues like domestic violence, you know, domestic uh, abusers having access to guns, when there's overwhelming evidence that that often, you know, has an exponential uh, risk of homicide in that case. So, you know, Americans want the courts to protect them. They want the Congress to protect them and families who've had little children sitting through uh, shooter drills. uh, You know, that was a huge motivator for voters in the midterms after Trump was elected. It was all those moms whose preschoolers were having to go through shooter drills. It's a political issue that people care about. And it's remarkably bipartisan, actually, in many ways.
1: And you and I have talked about this before, Lauren, as mothers and the idea of thinking about what it's like for your kindergarten or your first graders. I mean, to, to be doing this right now. A generation. Yeah, a generation. generation but, yeah. And it's almost normalized for them. They right. think this. Completely. But, you know, it's also taking a step back and broadening it out, which I know is so important with Sandy Hook Promise and what they're working mm. on and what they continue to do, is... Unfortunately, because of gun violence, there cannot be a singular focus on just one particular space where it occurs. Oh, for sure. and It's multi-pronged. Multi-pronged. And there was the Club Q survivors, by the way, who blame rhetoric, talking about the politics of Mm things, on on the idea of violence, the idea of the use of gun violence and targeting people Mm -hmm. in particular. Listen to this that happened Mm -hmm. on Capitol Hill.
5: To the politicians and activists who accuse LGBTQ people of grooming children and being abusers, shame on
6: you. We are being slaughtered and dehumanized across this country in communities
7: you took oaths to protect. The hateful rhetoric you have heard from elected leaders in the, is the direct cause of the horrific shooting at Club Q.
2: So is the rhetoric causing it in part? I mean, the rhetoric is a huge part um, and we uh, you know, all have to look at how we're talking in terms of our politics. Politics is a part of it. Mental health is a huge part of it, um, which, which doesn't mean you get to ignore the gun legislation part. Mm. It's all of it. Um, there's so many contours to this conversation and this debate. It's real easy to focus on one and miss the others. There's also a cultural thing that's happening that I've noticed over the past decade or two is the fetishization of black guns and the black gun culture. There are these pockets of gun rights people, right? There's like the self-defense crowd, A lot of women, increasingly African-Americans, increasingly Asian-Americans. There's sportsmen, people like me and my husband, who mostly use guns to hunt and shoot at targets. Um, And then you've got, like, this militia crowd, not that they're in a militia, but that they really attach guns to maybe wanting to protect themselves against a tyrannical government— and then you have the black gun crowd. And by black gun... What does that mean? We, 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 we usually mean AR-15s and similar weapons. The black gun crowd. The, wep- the, the weapons of
0: war, basically. The people
2: means. who like to cosplay at war and, and, and mm-hmm. pretend to be soldiers and pose in pictures and on wow. Instagram. Mm-hmm. And that part, that pocket subculture has really consumed all of the argument over gun rights and how far to take gun-right extremism. And so
0: when those are the
2: folks leading the the arguments on that side, don't be surprised when it gets more extreme. But I
0: do also want to just talk about a little bit of progress, and that's why this is, Mm. to your point, original point, it is such a schizophrenic conversation that Mm. we always have to have because there are steps forward and there are steps back. And it gets complicated, but there have been, uh, as we talked about in the documentary, 525 state Laws, significant state laws considered by the Gifford mm-hmm. Center that have been passed in the past 10 years. And by the way, in those states that really did something significant, Connecticut has not had a mass shooting since 2013. Wow. That's a lot. And it's a lot of the moms that are responsible for
4: that. I mean, you have to look at the extraordinary political organization of groups like Moms Demand and Sandy Hook Promise and all of these groups, many of whom are average citizens. They're not professional politicos. These are people who, for whom it's very personal. And they have successfully lobbied their state governments and made an impact. And it's, to your point on progress, it's an extraordinary example of what's possible in this country when people organize and understand how the system works and use their personal experience Bring their personal stories to bear on the policies that get passed in this country. Experiences yeah. they never wanted. Then experiences they the, never wanted. And try that's to right.
3: avoid. There, there's absolutely been a lot of progress. It's important we keep that in mind, particularly at the state level. The thing about guns, though, is they travel yeah. very easily, right? And yeah. we have very strict laws. I was a prosecutor in New York and New Jersey, and you know where our guns were coming from Pennsylvania, Ohio, North Carolina. We had pipelines of guns coming in. That's why I think there, there's some effort towards, we're, not, we're never going to get there, but federal legislation would really make a big difference. The thing is, the gun lobby has taken this zero-negotiation stance for decades now, and it's worked for them as a tactic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, there was bipartisan legislation yes. for the first time in 30 there years. Was. There was. So, again, steps Huge. forward. I like the speed-talking. That
1: was good. That was an optimistic sort of, like... It's a
4: hard topic to be optimistic hey, about in the current environment. It, it,
0: it sure is. Friends, thank you very much for discussing all of that. But we do want to turn to some breaking news right now. Two million people are in the path of tornadoes, hail and wind as this huge storm tears through the south. At least three people Uh. have been killed. So a confirmed tornado touched down in New Orleans this afternoon. And CNN's Nick Valencia is in Gretna, Louisiana. So, Nick, what is the situation at this hour?
7: Hey there, good evening, Allison. This damage here is extensive in this hard hit neighborhood of Gretna, Louisiana, where emergency crews, we've seen them going throughout this neighborhood, block after block, canvassing this area, making sure that everyone is accounted for. And as much damage as you see behind me, as it stands right now, we believe that everyone is accounted for in this neighborhood. Uh, there was no loss of life. You did mention, though, three people did die as a result of these storms, and just look behind me. The path that this tornado took ripping down this street, Down power lines are still very active. We don't want to get too close. It's still a very dangerous situation, according to those first responders who we spoke to. But that tornado came through here and ripped through the backyards of these neighbors. And it was earlier that I spoke to those neighbors and they said while they were aware that there was a risk of severe weather, it was just not comprehensible to them that they thought that they were going to take a direct hit. One of those neighbors said that the storm lasted about 10 to 15 seconds, but still you could see the type of damage that it left behind. You know, many of these homes are still without power. You could hear the hum of a generator here behind me as crews are continuing to, you know, make sure that everyone is okay in this neighborhood. We talked to a lot of eyewitnesses here that are just shell-shocked by what they went through. It's not loss on them that this happened, uh, you know, just before Christmas. And I spoke to a little boy earlier who said, you know, it was just almost heartbreaking, guys. You know, he said he hopes Santa can still find his home even though it's, you know, heavily damaged. We've seen parts of roofs ripped off you know, backs of houses just totally torn. And you know, the nature of tornadoes as they come through, they just sort of pick and choose where they wanna go. So you walk down these blocks and you see some homes are relatively untouched and others are just really devastated by this storm that went through here. You know, it's still not quite certain what this neighborhood, the extent of the damage that this neighborhood has suffered. Uh, They will continue to canvas this area tomorrow morning and get more of an indication of exactly what they're dealing with here. But this neighborhood, uh, you know, it's a neighborhood that got hit by Hurricane Ida not too long ago. Another tornado ripped through here uh, more than a year ago. So these neighbors are are really just, uh, you know, going through the worst right now and hoping, uh, you know, that it gets better here in the coming days. Allison, Laura.
0: That's so scary. Nick, thank you very much.
1: Look, we've got a lot more to come on our breaking news. The massive, deadly storm that's sweeping the south tonight. And unfortunately, the danger is not over yet. We'll have the very latest from the Weather Center next.
0: OK, let's get back to our breaking news coverage of the deadly storms that have killed at least three people in Louisiana. Twisters touching down across the state, causing destruction for miles. More than 40 tornadoes have been reported across Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana and Mississippi in the last two days. And tonight there are more weather
1: threats as the massive storm heads east now. Britley Ritz is live for us right now in the CNN Weather Center. Britley, what is the latest?
8: Yes, we're still dealing with that tornado threat this evening and through the overnight hours, although it is starting to decrease, as well as the threat for hail and damaging winds. Look at this. Pay attention to that dark cloud. That's the tornado. We've had several reports, as mentioned, 40 reports all across the lower Mississippi Valley. Most of that line has significantly weakened. The flooding threat, however, still exists as it moves across the Florida panhandle. Still dealing with thunderstorms. One severe thunderstorm warning until 11 o'clock central time for Dothan, Alabama. Strong winds. You see the bow with the line there. That indicates the strong damaging wind threat and still quarter-sized hail possible with this as it continues its track off to the north and east. The whole system taking its track north and east and bringing in that severe weather threat from Florida up into the Carolinas over the next 24 hours. But again, still holding that threat for stronger storms throughout the rest of this evening and into early morning hours tomorrow. Mobile on up into parts of the southern parts of Alabama. We still hold that threat for a few tornadoes this evening, but again, like I said, it is starting to weaken. Numerous reports of tornadoes 44 reports, 23 severe wind gusts reports, and 6 hail reports. Again, that mentioned that severe weather threat holds across Florida, but more of a slight risk for damaging winds and large hail as we move into your Wednesday. The flooding threat becomes a little more likely in these areas. We've already picked up 2 to 4 inches of rain. Additional rainfall up to another 2 to 4 inches possible just within the next 24 hours. Moving on up into parts of the Tennessee River Valley and on the back end, of the system. The snow threat not over with yet. Still dealing with blizzard warnings on the north shore of uh, Lake Superior and back into the central plains where whiteout conditions are likely. Allison, Laura. Oh, my
0: gosh. People need to be careful out there. Britley, thank you very Absolutely. much for all of that. Mm-hmm. Let's bring in now Guy McGinnis. He's the president of St. Bernard Parish where a tornado touched down earlier today. Um, Guy, thanks so much for being here. Uh, we understand that 10 people have had to be rescued in uh, St. Bernard Parish. So tell us what those have been like.
6: Yes, ma'am. Allison, thank you for looking in on us here in St. Bernard Parish. Uh, yes, we, we had 10 rescues. Um, uh, you know, it was a multiple type of issues. Our, our Sheriff Pullman and uh, our fire chief was out there making sure that we can get, get our residents out of an apartment complex. Um, we had a home directly across the street from our, our chief administrative officer actually was trapped in their home. We got them out, um, a child and, and, and some, some pets. So, you know, we had about 50 or 60 structures that were um, heavily damaged but by this storm. None totally damaged, as we know of uh, yet. So a little different than the EF-3 that came through here in March in, in the same path in Araby. Um, so we, we're blessed that we have uh, no serious injuries. uh And and we're going to get to work uh, tomorrow morning um, cleaning this up. We have the resources from our governor. spoke with John Bell Edwards tonight and and all of our representatives. So we're ready to hit the ground running tomorrow and, and get our community cleaned up. And we're thinking about other communities. Um, throughout our country, really, that have uh, are going through the same thing tonight.
1: That's so important. And, and, Guy, I mean, what do you need in terms of resources? Given that this has happened and your parish is no stranger, even this year to tornadoes, what are the resources that are going to be most beneficial to your community?
6: The only thing we needed tonight was the governor to say, um, you know, a Guy starts a cleanup tomorrow, we have the money to pay for it. Mm. So that that's what we're going to do. Entergy, our our power company, is out there tonight trying to get power back to the citizens of Araby. That's ongoing. Most of them will probably be up tonight. Tomorrow we'll work on the the most damaged areas. But, you know, it's one of those things where real time reporting from the media, national and local, um, saved lives. I I, I believe I know it saved lives uh, in March. It saved lives tonight, and to see the uh, uh, amazing, awesome actions um, uh, of our deputies—I um, was with the sheriff when, when that tornado was coming across the river in, into our community—and um, listening to all of the deputies and the coordination as the as that storm was coming was was unbelievable. And we we were in the areas where we needed to be, oh and our citizens were taken care of, and um, they are upbeat helping each other, and uh, we're going to get through this dur- during this holiday season. Mm.
1: Guy, I mean, just looking at those images, we're w- watching the screen and seeing how that that really just scary tornado image is there. I'm trying to get a sense of how much time you had. I mean, how when we are watching this coming, what is the amount of time you even had to prepare from the reporting to making sure that people had those signals going?
6: Yeah. You know, we, we were out and about, um, Driving around, trying to position ourselves to make sure we we were ready to respond. We we had a, a, an alert at around at around 3:45 um, or so that this storm would be hitting Araby at around 4:06, and, and from what I remember, it pretty much came across that river at 4:06. So I would say around 15 or 20 minutes that wow. our citizens had um, 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 you know advice to. Um, hunker down. And uh, it, it looks like most of them did. And it's uh, um, we are blessed because of that.
0: Well, Guy, thank goodness for the coordination that you spoke of among all the emergency responders and the deputies and everybody. Um, I know you're gonna have a long night. Thanks so much for taking time to talk to us and we'll check back with you tomorrow.
6: God bless. You too.
0: Okay, it's been 10 years, as you know, since the Sandy Hook school shooting. And tonight, one of those parents who has harnessed her pain and anger, will be here to help Uvalde parents get through these unbearable days. That's the White House there, lit up in green tonight to mark 10 years since the Sandy Hook school shooting that killed 20 children and six adults. We've seen some progress in those 10 years, but we've also seen many more school shootings to a sickening degree. So where are we tonight? Well, joining us is Scarlett Lewis. She's the mother of six-year-old Jesse Lewis, who was killed at Sandy Hook. And also with us are Gloria and Javier Casares. Their nine-year-old daughter, Jackie, was killed in the Uvalde school shooting in May. Um, Jackie and Gloria and Scarlett, thank you all for being here and being here together. Um, I'm, I know, Scarlett, that talking to you will be a comfort to all of us um, but particularly to the Casares is. And so, Scarlett, can you just first tell us what today has been like for you? How how do you mark an anniversary like these 10 years today?
9: Uh, Today I did actually what I do every day, and that is
0: continue
9: to work towards keeping our kids safe by speaking with educators and working on a proactive and preventative solution today was was no different than any other day work day for me anyway um but 10 years is marks a significant time and i really wish that we had made more progress and my heart really goes out to the uvaldi families because uh as as with sandy hook that should never have happened
0: Absolutely. And so, Scarlett, I know, I mean, just for, so everybody knows, you have turned your pain into purpose. You have devoted these years to traveling around the world. You talk to school kids, you talk to educators, you talk to everyone about trauma and spotting it and helping to process it. And um, I mean, you you say you found your purpose, you know, after all of the pain. And so so in terms of the what can you say to them? I mean, where do they even begin to start processing this horrible pain?
9: I, I mean, it's it's so difficult and, and they are really right in it right now. I mean, they're still in the investigation phase and they're still sorting through so many mistakes that were made. And my heart really goes out to them. Um, you know, it it is it is a long process But I can tell you for myself, at some point, uh, I just made a choice. And I thought about, you know, how there is no playbook for parents who have lost children like we have. And I had to decide how I wanted the rest of my life to look. And if I wanted to be another victim of the shooter fighting against something for the rest of my life or I wanted to be for something, and my son, Jesse, had left a message on our kitchen chalkboard, three words, nurturing, healing, love. And it really shaped the direction that my life took after that. I decided to be for love, and it was the right choice for me.
0: Yeah. So, Gloria and Javier, where are you guys tonight? Has anything gotten easier since May or harder?
10: Hello. Thanks for having us. Um, uh, yeah, it's... It, it's, it's hard every day, you know, it's, it's, it's not getting easier at all.
8: No, oh, it's, it's much harder. I think, um, just like Scarlett said, there's, we're in the middle of it. There's investigations. We just got a report yesterday that was really difficult to hear. Um, and it just feels like it can't get worse. And then it, it does.
0: Yeah. I can only imagine the way Uvalde has handled this. I mean, from the, what looks like cover-ups, to the stonewalling, to the incompetence, that that obviously hasn't helped all of the pain. And so, so, Gloria and Javier, what questions do you have for Scarlett tonight?
10: Uh, first of all, I just want to, you know, uh, give my respects for your loss as well. And um, want to thank you for, for being on here and, you know, sharing your story as well. I think it brings some
8: kind of comfort. It's I. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, just because I can't picture myself tomorrow or next week, let alone ten years. I. I don't know, and it just brings some kind of comfort to know that, know that you are you are able to move forward. No, not move on, but move forward, or at least get through each day.
9: You know, I absolutely remember wondering if I was going to survive. That was the level of pain. I, I never wanted to kill myself, but I, I literally thought that I was going to dissolve and die. That is the amount of pain that I felt. So I understand where you are and and I am ten years further along in my journey, at least nine and a half, and you
0: do survive and and you We're do have an issue with the static again to log off. And Are you having technical? Can you hear us, Gloria? Okay, we'll work. We'll get them back, Scarlett. But I I wanted you to talk about that because I think we all feel that way. How do you survive? At what point did that turn around for you and you realize I will survive this?
9: Uh, You know, honestly, it was another parent that had lost a child to violence and I had never met anybody that had done that, and she started laying out the path of what my life was going to look like. And that was not what I wanted my life to look like. And I realized right then and there that I was going to have to determine my path. And it was gonna be a choice. And uh, And so I, I made a choice really to quit my job and devote my life To being part of the solution. You know, it's very, very hard where that couple is right now when you have people that are not taking personal responsibility for mistakes that they made. And uh, it's very hard to hold people accountable. I think that until we are able to hold people accountable, uh, it, it's and and also what I've been trying to do for the last 10 years is address the root cause of the pain that leads to the violence. I mean, uh, we have a, a billion dollar industry that's gone up around hardening schools and uh, and hardening does need to happen, unfortunately, because that's where we are in yeah. our society. We have allowed it to get to that. But. Until we address the root cause, we're never going to get ahead of the problem.
0: Yeah. And Scarlett, um, because Christmas, I mean, we're in the middle of the holiday season. Christmas is coming up. Obviously, we we have the Casares' is back. This is their first Christmas without Jackie. What what advice do you have for them? What can you share about that?
9: Uh, it, Christmas is difficult. I, I remember my first Christmas without Jesse, it was two weeks uh, after the tragedy uh, and it was uh, really difficult. Um, I I don't know if you all have faith, but I do. And that is really what got me through my faith that uh, Jesse and I would be reunited. And uh, I I don't know how anyone else could get through that. It is really difficult.
0: Yeah, Gloria, Javier.
10: You know, uh, the the first thing, you know, was her birthday, you know, she passed on the 24th, you know, her her birthday was June 10th. You know, that was the first hardest thing, you know, that was very hard. You know, then Thanksgiving, and now Christmas, I mean, it's, it's difficult, you know, but um, she, she loved to celebrate and, you know, we're going to try to make it as have other words i mean just do it as special as we can you know um even, even as hard as it is you know we're gonna try and make it we have to get through it you know it's, it's gonna be hard but um we'll get through it yeah
9: and and, and yeah. you will i remember the the first the first holidays were really really difficult and uh i always i I thought about Jesse's last message to his older brother and he had left him this little note that uh, JT had found when he was 12 years old on his desk. And it said, have a lot of fun. And and that's what we tried to do before Jesse died. And so that's also how we try to honor him. Even right after he died, um, we were celebrating his life rather than mourning his death. We tried to focus on celebrating the life that he had and who he was to honor his legacy. But you will be spending the rest of your life every single day honoring your child's legacy.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, Gloria and Javier, um, I, I hope that it gives you some small comfort to see Scarlett and see that she has been able to move forward. And obviously, you know, she carries... Jessie with her every day, um, but she has, as she says, turned her pain to purpose. Um, We're thinking of you, and uh, obviously uh, we've been looking at your beautiful children throughout this segment. None of you deserve this. These kids didn't deserve this. Our country has to figure this out. Um, Take care. We will be in touch with you through uh, the Christmas holiday, and we really thank all of you for being here with us tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks, Scarlett. Thank you.
1: What a devastating yet important conversation to be witness to. I mean, just the idea, I'm, I'm always believing that people are on sometimes a collision course and their fate's so intertwined. And to have them interact in this way was so meaningful to so many people.
0: I mean, I know that, it, I hope that it is comforting to see somebody else who has survived something so unthinkable yeah. and that she can go on. And I hope that gives them small measure of, some measure of comfort. But really, it's time. It's time. They're going to have to live with this
1: pain for a long time. My mother always says, life must go on. I forget sometimes just why. We'll be right back. Okay so have you noticed something about your newest coworkers? I maybe mean, maybe you're having a little bit of trouble communicating, Allison? I don't know, not with me, but no, I tell with you, a not- different <laughs> generation, Allison? Allison? What have you heard? From <laughs> I was our, nothing. Workplace? I mean I'm asking for a friend, a Gen Z friend. Well, you're not actually. There's not a alone. generational issue There's happening. a generational issue. That's good. That was good. That was a little bit boomer-esque, <laughs> but I'm good with that. But we're not we're not alone <laughs> thinking about this. The Washington Post has a quiz out, it's called cringe quiz. Are you fluent in Gen Z office speak? And I'll admit I'm I'm actually not.
0: I feel we're living this right now, <laughs> I know, but I'm not even Gen Z. Okay, but let's take this. Let's test this out with our panel. Okay, back with us, we have Ellie Honig. We also have Emma Goldberg, our resident Gen Zer, mm-hmm. here to interpret all this stuff for us. And S.E. Cup is back with us too. Okay, not a boomer. So here's what I'm not, where, a not a boomer. I'm a so okay. Child. I'm Gen X. I'm proud to be Gen X, but it turns out yeah, that you're not they, a boomer. No, thanks. Okay, I'm,
1: it's, I'm, it's, I'm Gen X. Didn't Marjorie Taylor Greene talk to us about sarcasm earlier in the yes, week? Yes. No, I think. boomers okay. <laughs> are <I think> <laughs>
0: funny word. But in there any event, here's the point. I didn't know, Emma, that I was offending my Gen Z colleagues by some of my emails and everything. This quiz tells us, okay? <laughs> no, you know. Now we uh, know. So let yeah. me tell you. Okay, here's the, one of the first questions. You assign your Gen Z colleague a task, maybe on Slack or text or whatever, and you end the sentence with a period. Oh, God forbid. They- Okay, why don't you like that? It sounds
5: passive-aggressive. Your feeling <laughs> is what? passive-aggressive? I, if there's no exclamation point, then I'm taking it personally.
0: Oh, my That's God. my personal Jen oh Gen view. Zers need, need an exclamation point or nothing.
5: I do three exclamation points
0: sometimes. Oh. Unless I'm mad at How someone. How do you signal really? the end of one sentence and the
3: beginning of another, though?
0: You could do, you know...
5: You could just, do, just you could do one exclamation point. You could, you know, keep it very neutral. Oh. How
1: about if I say, like, wow. period, like P-E-R-I-O-D-T, like, oh. if I spell it out, that's not, that's but That's a different that's right. thing. That's a whole different. Like, I don't know what period. you're trying to communicate there.
0: We need a dictionary for that. takes a lot that. longer, Laura. That's crazy. Okay, well. Okay, but here it is. Hmm. The answer is that the period is interpreted, just like you said, as a sign of anger or coldness. It's, like, too Ooh, aggressive, right. basically, a period. Because it's like, done. Is that right. That's what
5: it says to you? Yeah, I'm like, what did I do wrong? <laughs>
0: oh. oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sometimes I might mean a period. I'm learning. <laughs> okay, well, here's,
1: here's another go, one. Go. Exclamation point. You send an email to a Gen Z colleague asking the person to complete a task, and you add a smiley face emoji at the end of your paragraph. I do this all the time. But it's that Oof. one. No, no teeth showing. It's that one. And your Gen Z that's colleagues fine. become worried. The question is Why? What? Are we worried that you see the smiley face? That, that, but
3: that is it's an words. ambiguous smile. That's like a, I have I'm some bad news smile. for you very smile. Weird.
1: It's an unsettling but, smile.
5: Like, yeah. There's a lot of smile options in the emoji list, and mm. that one signals to me, like, this is a very cautious smile. So just
0: the re- <laughs> the regular smile, mm-hmm. you interpret as too ambiguous. You
5: want teeth. I want, the, or not teeth, but maybe like some like, dimples.
1: Or like mm. the winking.
5: Yeah, how about the colon yeah. and
3: the parenthesis? No, they don't like that. That's no. not okay? No. No, they, no. no. And I in do. fact,
1: in fact, the answer is number two. The emoji makes you think, just like you said, that something is actually wrong <laughs> for that reason. So Mm-mm. show some teeth, Essie. Also,
2: but also, you can't do a thumbs up. Why? Why can't you do oh, a thumbs up? Oh, that's very passive aggressive. Yeah. That's like when your mom starts to talk like really slowly
5: to you, and you're like, okay, she's telling me something is good because she's about to sandwich it with something bad. The, the thumbs up is very. This is scary.
2: like I, so. I don't. I've. I haven't worked in an office in forever. Um, not because of COVID. Because I don't. I don't have a real job. This is what I do. Um. So I don't know any of this stuff from office life. I know it from TikTok. I know what the kids on TikTok. Are saying did you and know doing. That you
0: can't do a thumbs up.
2: hundred percent. One hundred percent. You know what? I cannot I do a thumbs up. And I know I didn't know at first, and I remember I
1: had I responded to somebody and just said K, like I was I was <gasps> I was just. I know, but she, know then, she so. then called me. and Was like, Are you okay? <laughs> and I said, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. She's like, No, no. But you said K, as opposed so to like okay. can I, right? Closed off, judgmental. Well, you guys, but look at look at the meaning of okay. First of all, let me tell you something. If you add a third K to a text to me, we do have a problem. So, Emma, tell me this. How did this, I mean, first of all, a lot of, we're joking about this, but I think a lot of the generation is about having communication online. And so being lost in translation happens all the time. You have to be very clear about what that looks like is that why? I think it's fair. I think
5: you know the average Gen Z person got a smartphone for the first time when they were twelve, so they grew up very used to this very casual and also kind of playful form of communication. And I think when you grow up with kind of like every emoji in the world available to you, you're like, why is someone just sending me a K? You know, it's, it's, just, it's okay.
0: K is too curt. It's too it's short. Too, it's yeah. rude. It's rude. It's rude. K is rude. And mm-hmm. okay. Is classic. Cl- oh, okay, classic. <laughs> it's a classic. But a capital OK is aggressive. <clears throat> so you can't make That's loud. Cap. That's loud. Yeah. You're loudly saying, OK. Yeah. OK, yeah. this is fascinating. Right. Oh. But, but I like that the words K mean so mean, so <laughs> closed off, <laughs> judgmental. Well, that's why I got the phone call. <laughs> right. That's that's like, why. right. I, have, I have the
3: solution, by the way. <laughs> On behalf it? of our generation, my gen- generation X, yeah. here's what you do. Use our slang right we grew up in the 80s 90s so my daughter will text me practice ends at 5 30 and i will respond word now you know <laughs> she does not like that no. and and i did it at work i'm gonna find this out. one of our favorite producers randy yes. who we know
0: yes.
3: texts me hang on I, t- I saved this need you on set can you get their asap and i wrote back word and she gave me one of the huh, <laughs> and I said it's what cool people said in the '90s. Yeah, yeah. So it can go both wow. ways, Emma. Unfortunately
5: it's not the '90s anymore. Oh, so I
1: don't, don't no! Boomer. Oh, well that was we, an okay boomer is, moment. Is that can, can we just say shade? <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's probably that's offensive. Like, we
1: can that's,
0: say side eye. Okay, side eye. We
1: can say not slay. That,
5: that's amazing. Okay, um, Emma, <laughs>
0: thank you, thank you for helping us avoid all sorts she of came things to slay. She came very awkward pitfalls at the office. That was great. Thank you. Okay, we'll be right back. Very upsetting news in the entertainment world. Stephen Twitch boss, the longtime DJ dancer for the Ellen DeGeneres show, has died at the age of 40. Ellen posting on Instagram, quote, I'm heartbroken. Twitch was pure love and light. He was my family, and I loved him with all my heart. I will miss him. Please send your love and support to Allison and his beautiful children, Wesley, Maddox, and Zaya." The Los Angeles
1: County Medical Examiner says Stephen Boss died by suicide. Anyone struggling with suicidal thoughts can dial 988 and connect to a counselor at the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline or chat at 988lifeline.org. It's devastating news. Thank you all for watching.
0: Our coverage continues now. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host
3: of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.